0: So welcome to tonight's Zoom cast on Isaiah's Prophecy, Chapter 46, Latter-day Idolatry. We'll start tonight with the Isaiah Institute's translation, verse 1. Bell slumps down, Nebo is stooped over. Their idols are loaded upon beasts and cattle. The images you bore aloft are piled as burdens on weary animals. Such gods altogether sag down, bow down, unable to rescue their burden. They themselves go into captivity. So the implication is, you know, those of Babylon's, the Chaldeans, or, you know, in this case, us. Because Isaiah is going to refer to those of the house of Jacob and Israel category who are God's covenant people, and they are bowed down, worshiping, as you will, the gods of Babylon and the gods which Babylon presents to us. And certainly a large portion of the gods that Babylon uh, presents to us would be in the image you know, of a beast, you know, certainly you know, things which are digital and online. And, you know, the, the, the names Bel and Nebo are names for, you know, Babylonian gods, uh, Marduk and his son. Um, the implication is that the Jacob Israel class of people during the end times would be burdened with the gods of Babylon. You know, however... Unlike the God of Israel, you know, these dumb gods have no power to save or to rescue or to deliver. In fact, they bring a people down into captivity. Verse 3, hear me, O house of Jacob, and all you remnant of the house of Israel. So Isaiah has clarified (coughs) who he is talking to God's covenant people those whom the lord extends his hand to that they might enter into the new covenant become sons and daughters of christ and you know qualify for deliverance and qualify for you know, deliverance from destruction and from bondage who have been a load on me since birth born up by me from the womb even to your old age i am present till you turn gray it is i who sustain you it is i who made you and i who bear you up it is i who carry and rescue you now as a cross reference in dnc 101 three quarters of the way through the pair of the redemption of zion you know, the parable about how Zion is established and would be established under Joseph's presidency, how Zion would fall, and before the second coming of Jesus Christ, how Zion would be redeemed. Verse 56, after we have the return of the end time servant and servants, in verse 55 and go ye straightway on unto the land of my vineyard and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine. I have bought it with money. This is putting forth the same sentiment as is described here in verses three and four of Isaiah 46. I have bought it with money. Money in the parable of the redemption of Zion means, you know, focus and work and effort, or in other words, Christ has engraven his people upon the palms of his hands. Back to Isaiah. Verse 3, hear me, O house of Jacob, and all you remnant of the house of Israel. So in our application, it would be, hear me, O members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who I call my house, who have been a load on me since birth, born up by me from the womb. Even to your old age I am present. Till you turn great, it is I who sustain you. It is I who made you, I who bear you up. It is I who carry and rescue you. Another cross-reference, Second Nephi 28. Woe be unto the Gentiles, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, seeth the Lord God of hosts. For notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord of hosts. And again, in 3 Nephi 16. Verse 9.
1: Let's actually start
0: with verse 7. Behold, because of their belief in me, saith the Father, and because of the unbelief of you, O house of Israel, in the latter day shall the truth come unto the Gentiles, that the fullness of these things shall be made known unto them. And there are two appointed times for the fullness of the gospel to come forth unto the Gentiles of the last days. The first is during Joseph Smith's first ministry. And the second time is during his second. But woe saith the father unto the unbelieving of the Gentiles. And remember the term Gentiles is used here in the book of Mormon, including in these verses refers to the members of the restoration during Joseph Smith's time and also to the Latter-day Saints during our day. But woe, set the Father, unto the unbelieving of the Latter-day Saints. For notwithstanding, they have come forth upon the face of this land, and have scattered my people who are the house of Israel, and my people who are of the house of Israel have been cast out from among them, and have been trodden under feet by them. And because of the mercies, of the father unto the gentiles and also the judgments of the father upon my people who are the house of israel now in this context um and occasionally throughout the book of mormon when we're talking about a gentile nation it's referring to the inhabitants of north america and then the authors of the book of mormon will narrow the term of the gentiles to talk about a gentile people and that's latter-day saints And because of the mercies of the father unto the Gentiles and also the judgments of the father upon my people who are the house of Israel. Verily, verily, I say unto you that after all this, and I have caused my people who are of the house of Israel to be smitten and to be afflicted and to be slain and to be cast out from among them and to become hated by them and to become a hiss and a byword among them. And thus commanded the father that I should say unto you. At that day when the Gentiles shall sin against my gospel and shall reject the fullness of my gospel. Again, there are only two candidates for the Gentiles of the last days receiving the fullness of the gospel. And that was, you know, 1829 to 1834 under Joseph Smith's first presidency. And now in our day leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ, when the Heavens have again been opened and the dispensation of the fullness of times ushered in. And shall reject the fullness of my gospel, and shall be lifted up in the pride of their hearts above all nations, and above all the people of the whole earth, and shall be filled with all manner of lyings and deceits and mischiefs, and all manner of hypocrisy and murders and priestcrafts and whoredoms, and of secret abominations, and if they shall do all those things... And shall reject the fullness of my gospel. Behold, saith the Father, I will bring the fullness of my gospel from among them. And so in our day, this will culminate when the day of the Gentiles ends. The separation between the wheat and the tares has been accomplished. And the wheat are gathered out for an end time exodus. Verse 13. But if the Gentiles, or if the Latter-day Saints, will repent and return unto me, saith the Father. Behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. And the very, almost the exact same sentence is uttered by Nephi in 1 Nephi chapter 14, as part of his vision of the end from the beginning. Verse 1, And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles or the Latter-day Saints shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, in that day when the light shall break forth again among them that sit in darkness, as is outlined in DNC 45. And it shall be the fullness of my gospel. I shall manifest myself unto them in word and also in power, in very deed, unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks. And parenthetically, if they harden not their hearts against the Lamb of God, they shall be numbered among the seed of thy father. They shall be numbered among the house of Israel, and they shall be a blessed people upon the promised land forever and they shall no more be brought down into captivity, and the house of Israel shall no more be confounded. Um, same sentiments as what Christ declares in 3 Nephi 16. Well, how do the Gentiles become numbered among the house of Israel to receive an inheritance upon this land forever? To enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of of the Holy Ghost. This is how Christ carries us and rescues us, because he extends to us knowledge of the fullness of the gospel. And if we will enter into it, we will indeed become his sons and daughters, and he will save us from bondage and from destruction. DNC 46, end of verse 4. It is I who made you. And I who bear you up. It is I who carry and rescue you. Verse five To whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we should appear similar? They who squander gold from the purse and weigh out silver on the scales hire a smith to make them a god, and they bow down to and worship. They bear it aloft, carry it on their shoulders. And then they set it in place. There it stands, unable to budge from its spot. Though they cry to it for help, it does not answer. It cannot save them from trouble. You know, it seems ironic, the counsel that we received lately um, regarding the vaccine being safe and effective before any such scientific data had come out to support that claim and that we should trust in government and in medical authorities with no mention about trusting in the God of this land or trusting in his power to heal and to deliver Though they cry to it for help, it does not answer. It cannot save them from trouble. Verse 8. Put yourselves in mind of this and come to your senses. Take it to heart, you offenders. Review the prophecies of the events of old. I am God. There is none other. I am divine. Nothing resembles me. Let's go to 2 Nephi 26. Starting in verse 20. And the Gentiles, or the Latter-day Saints, are lifted up in the pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of the stumbling block that they have built up many churches nevertheless they put down the power and miracles of god and preach up unto themselves their own wisdom and their own learning that they may get gain and grind upon the face of the poor now churches as used in the book of mormon and even in the doctrine of covenants you know is a slightly different um, reference than how we use it today it doesn't mean various sects, but it means different congregations. And this is literally various congregations among the Latter-day Saints. They have stumbled because of the greatness of their stumbling block. Now, this should um, cause us to go back to First Nephi 14, verse 1. And it shall come to pass that if the Gentiles shall hearken unto the Lamb of God in that day, that he shall manifest himself unto them in word and also in power in very deed unto the taking away of their stumbling blocks. Well, what are these stumbling blocks? And why does the greatness of this stumbling block cause the Latter-day Saints to be lifted up in the pride of their eyes? Well, this stumbling blocks, the greatness of these stumbling blocks, is literally the removal of the doctrine of Christ from the mainstream teachings of the church. And the doctrine of Christ is, pivots on the new and everlasting covenant, even the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost. For a covenant is comprised of two oaths, an oath that man makes to God and an oath that God makes back to man, which he cannot break. And the oath which he gives us to make to him is to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And in return, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And because that's not even mentioned in today's teachings, yet it is the very foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of seeking after and receiving the revelation about what God requires each one of us to do individually, to offer up that sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. We set our hearts instead upon the gods of Babylon. And we know not how to come unto Christ and to become his people. And so once that doctrine is had again among Latter-day Saints and received with gladness, that is the removing of the great stumbling block. And the removing of that great stumbling block enables us not only to become sons and daughters of Christ, but to enter into his rest in this life.
1: Back to Second Nephi 26.
0: And the Gentiles or the Latter day Saints are lifted up in the pride of their eyes and have stumbled because of the greatness of the stumbling block that they have built up many churches. Nevertheless, they put down the power and miracles of God. You know, this reminds me of a conference talk a few years ago the faith not to be healed. And they put down the power and miracles of God instead of. Admonishing us to repent and become clean before God and trust in the God of Israel and in priesthood power. We're told to trust in medical and government authorities and put down the miracles of God and preach up unto themselves their own wisdom and their own learning. If trusting in medical authorities, who are in league with the great embalmable church to dig a pit to drive us down to destruction. You know, what better example could we have of relying upon our own wisdom and our own learning? That they may get gain and grind upon the face of the poor. And there are many churches built up which cause envyings and strifes and malice. And there are also secret combinations, even as in times of old, according to the combinations of the devil, for he is the founder of all these things and the founder of murder and works of darkness. Yeah, and he leadeth them by the neck with flaxen cord until he bindeth them with his strong cords forever. Now is a cross-reference, Moroni warns the Latter-day Saints about these secret combinations getting above them in church office and authority and power. In Ether chapter 8, starting in verse 23, Moroni has already talked about secret combinations um, gaining political power and political office. And now he narrows it to infiltration of the latter day church and gaining control and power in church office. Verse 23 in ether eight. Runei says, wherefore O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you that thereby ye may repent of your sins and suffer not these murderous combinations shall get above you again as Moroni has narrowed the focus on the Latter-day Saints. He does not have reference to political power, but church office, which are built up to get power and gain. And the work, yet even the work of destruction come upon you. Yea, even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction. If you, if you shall suffer these things to be. So in verse 23, Moroni says, Oh, Latter-day Saints, do not allow these things to be. But in verse 24, he says, but when they do. Wherefore, the Lord commandeth you, when you shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to a sense of your awful situation because of the secret combination, which shall be among you or woe be unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain. For they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it and also upon those who built it up. So, Moroni prophesies that it's not a matter of if, but only when that these secret combinations would infiltrate and take over the leadership of the restored gospel. verse 25, "For it cometh to pass that whosoever buildeth it up seeketh to overthrow the freedom, the freedom of all lands, nations and countries. And it bringeth to pass the destruction of all people, for it is built up by the devil, who is the father of all lies, even that same liar who beguiled our first parents, even that same liar who hath caused man to commit murder from the beginning, who hath hardened the hearts of men, that they have murdered the prophets, stoned them, and cast them out from the beginning. Now, the implication is... That the secret combinations that would infiltrate and take over um, the end time church would be in league with the greater secret combination that seeks to overthrow the freedom and lands of all people of the whole earth. And again, Nephi describes this in first Nephi chapter 14. Verse three and that great pit which hath been digged for them them according to verses 1 and 2 in first nephi chapter 14 are the latter day saints so that great pit which hath been digged for them by that great and abominable church again we have the idea that the leaders of the end time church would unite and join themselves with the great and abominable church which is that great secret combination that is with us from the times of Cain, which was founded by the devil and his children, that he might lead away the souls of men down to hell. Yea, that great pit which hath been digged for the destruction of men shall be filled by those who digged it. Under their utter destruction saith the Lamb of God, not the destruction of the soul, save it be the casting of it into that hell which hath no end. For behold, this is according to the captivity of the devil, And also, according to the justice of God, upon all those who will work wickedness and abomination before him. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me, Nephi, saying that thou beheld that if the Gentiles repent, it shall be well with them. So we have the concept that a trap is being laid before the Latter-day Saints. And the only way to escape this trap This pit which hath been digged by the great and abominable church is repentance and coming unto Christ, or in other words, the doctrine of Christ. Back in 2 Nephi 26, verse 22. And there are also secret combinations, even as in times of old, according to the combinations of the devil. For he is the founder of all things. Yea, and the founder of murder and works of darkness. Yea, he leadeth them by the neck with a flaxen cord. So a single flaxen cord is almost imperceptible. But when you add a single flaxen cord to another and you continue, it turns into a strong cord that man by himself cannot break. He leadeth them. By The neck with a flaxen cord until he bindeth them with his strong cords forever. For behold, my beloved brethren, I say unto you that the Lord God worketh not in darkness, he doth not anything save it be for the benefit of the world. For he loveth the world, even that he layeth down his own life, that he may draw all men unto him. Wherefore he commandeth none that they shall not partake of his salvation. Behold, he doth cry unto any, saying, Depart from me. Behold, doth he cry unto any, saying, Depart from me. Behold, I say unto you, Nay. But he saith, Come unto me, all ye ends of the earth, by milk and honey, without money
1: and without price.
0: Behold, hath he commanded any that they should depart out of the synagogues or out of the houses of worship? Behold, I say unto you, nay, hath he commanded any that they should not partake of his salvation? Behold, I say unto you, nay, but he hath given it free for all men and hath commanded his people that they should persuade all men to repentance. Um, Notice in verse 26, behold, hath he commanded any that they should depart out of the synagogues or out of the houses of worship? And yet, you know, how long did we have in place a mask mandate to be go, able to go into LDL's meeting houses and into LDS temples? And verse 26, behold, I see unto you, nay. Hath he commanded any that they should not partake of his salvation? Behold, I see unto you, nay, but he hath given it free for all men. And hath commanded his people that they should persuade all men to repentance. Behold, hath the Lord commanded that any should not partake of his goodness? Behold, I say unto you, nay, but all men are privileged the one like unto the other, and none are forbidden. He commandeth that there shall be no priestcrafts. For behold, priestcrafts are that men preach and set themselves up for a light unto the world, that they may get gain and praise of the world but they seek not the welfare of Zion. And although we have this tradition among Latter-day Saints that we have a lay clergy, and that is indeed the case up to the level of mission president. However, mission presidents receive a salary, and there is a pay raise when one goes from mission president to second quorum of the seventies. And there is a pay raise from 2 Corinthians 70 to 1 Corinthians 70. And there is a substantial pay raise from 1 Corinthians 70 to Apostle. Behold, the Lord hath forbidden this thing. Wherefore, the Lord God hath given a commandment that all men should have charity, which charity is love. And except they should have charity, they were nothing. Wherefore, if they should have charity, they would not suffer the laborer in Zion to perish. Again, the the tiny fraction of tithing funds that are taken in that actually go to help the poor. Wherefore, if they should have charity, they would not suffer the laborer in Zion to perish. But the laborer in Zion shall labor for Zion. For if they labor for money, they shall perish. Or in other words, it is an abomination to the Lord that mission presidents, second, first corinthians the 70 and apostles should receive a salary. Now, you know, if they actually needed church, uh, assistance for their expenses, you know, that is a different matter. And that is not considered, you know, a salary, um, for their labor in Zion. Verse 32, and again, the Lord hath commanded that men should not murder, that they should not lie, that they should not steal, that they should not lie in the name of the Lord their God in vain, or that they should not take the name of the Lord their God in vain. Now, what does it mean to take the name of God in vain? It means to claim that one has power and authority to act in the name of God, knowing full well that they do not. Even proclaiming that we as Latter day Saints still have the Melchizedek priesthood when it is laid plain in the Doctrine and Covenants that it was taken from us by May 1834 and in DNC 124 the Lord offers one last time to restore the Melchizedek priesthood to the Latter-day Saints if we would but repent and return and harden not our hearts. Um, But if not, we would stand rejected as a church with our dead and the Lord would not fight our battles and we would be smitten and driven out of Nauvoo. And again, the Lord God hath commanded that men should not murder, that they should not lie, that they should not steal, that they should not take the name of the Lord their God in vain, that they should not envy, that they should not have malice, that they should not contend one with another, that they should not commit whoredoms, that they should do none of these things, for whoso doeth them shall perish. For none of these iniquities come of the Lord, for he doeth that which is good among the children of men. And he doeth nothing, save it be plain to the children of men. And he inviteth them all to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him, black and white, bond and free, male and female. And he remembereth the heathen, and all are alike unto God, both Jew and Gentile. Or in other words, all the people of the whole earth have the opportunity to receive the doctrine of Christ, and by entering into it, becoming sons and daughters of Christ. And now, cross referencing in 2 Nephi, chapter 30. And now, behold, my beloved brethren, I would speak unto you, for I, Nephi, would not suffer that ye should suppose that ye are more righteous than the Gentiles shall be. For behold, except ye shall keep the commandments of God, ye shall shall all likewise perish. And because of the words which have been spoken, ye need not suppose that the Gentiles are utterly destroyed. So, in JST Matthew 21, Christ touch, touches on this subject, the destruction of the Gentiles or the destruction of Latter day Saints. And in verse 56 of GST Matthew 21, he says, Christ says, or, and then it is written, you know, by Matthew, and then understood they, and that they are the 12 apostles, <coughs> the, par- <laughs> the parable which he, Christ, spake unto them that the Gentiles, which was defined in verse 53 as the Latter-day Saints, if we go back up, back, back up to verse 53, and the kingdom of God shall be taken from them, the Jews of Christ's day, and shall be given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof, meaning the Gentiles. Talking about the Latter-day Restoration, both in Joseph's first and second ministries. But now it pertains to those who become members of the church because of Joseph Smith's first ministry, but during his second ministry receive not the fullness of the gospel as it is restored. That the Gentiles or Latter-day Saints should be destroyed also, and the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard, which is the earth and the inhabitants thereof. But Nephi says, you need not suppose that all of the Gentiles will be destroyed. For a portion of them will be saved. Well, Christ refers to this portion in verse 55 of GST Matthew 21. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable wicked men, meaning the husbandman in his vineyard. And will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen, even in the last days, who shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Well, this phrase, who shall render him the fruits in their seasons, has reference to that portion of the Latter-day Saints who receive the fullness of the gospel when the light breaks forth among them that sit in darkness. The fullness of the gospel ushered in when Joseph enters or opens again the heavens um, shortly before he comes on the scene. And so these are they who will be saved. These are they who are rendered unto Christ the fruits in their seasons. And we have many allegories and parables of good fruit in the scriptures in almost every instance it refers to those who receive the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus becoming sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Well, back in 2 Nephi 30, at the end of verse 1. And because of the words which have been spoken, ye need not suppose that the Gentiles are utterly destroyed, even though there will be major destruction among the Gentiles of Latter-day Saints. Not all of them will be destroyed. For behold, I say unto you that as many of the Gentiles as will repent are the covenant people. Well, Book of Mormon prophets recapitulate time and time again how we are to repent? Not only are we to turn from the traditional sins, but we're also to receive the new and everlasting covenant and enter into it not only with our lips, but also with our hearts. As many of the Gentiles as will repent are the covenant people of the Lord because they become adopted as sons and daughters of Christ and they have the Gentile blood burned out of us. And as many of the Jews as will not repent shall be cast off for the Lord covenanteth with none save it be with them that repent and believe in his son who is the Holy One of Israel. And again, touching upon this repenting and returning. Third Nephi chapter 9, verse 17. Christ is speaking, and as many as have received me to them, have I given to become the sons of God. And Christ is about to outline how it is that we are to receive him. And it is the same way that we are to repent and return. And verse 20, and ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Back in Second Nephi 29. The Lord covenanteth with none. End of verse 2. Save it be with them that repent and believe in his Son, who is the Holy One of Israel. Or, in other words, receive him through the New and Everlasting Covenant. And now I would prophesy somewhat more concerning the Jews and the Gentiles. For after the book of which I have spoken shall come forth and be written unto the Gentiles, and sealed up again unto the Lord, the Book of Mormon, there shall be many which shall believe the words which are written and they shall carry them forth unto the remnant of our seed. Okay, this, this carrying forth of the Book of Mormon to the Lamanites refers to what will commence at the beginning of the end-time exodus, when the strength of the Lord's house will take the fullness of the gospel to the Lamanites and reclaim The wheat among the Lamanites, while the tares, the same thing will happen to them as happened to the tares among the Latter-day Saints. Their bands will be made strong and prepared for the fire. For after the book of which I have spoken shall come forth and be written unto the Gentiles and sealed up again unto the Lord, there shall be many which shall believe the words which are written and they shall carry them forth unto the remnant of our seed the many who shall believe the words is talking about the strength of the Lord's house among the Latter-day Saints. This is not a simple profession that I believe the Book of Mormon is the word of God. It is actually to believe the Book of Mormon prophets regarding the doctrine of Christ and the entering into of the new and everlasting covenant. These are the Gentiles who shall carry forth the fullness of the gospel unto the remnant of the seed of Nephi and his brethren. And then shall the remnant of our seed know concerning us, how that we came out from Jerusalem, and that they are descendants of the Jews, and the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be declared among them, wherefore they shall be restored under the knowledge of their fathers, and also the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which was had among their fathers." And then shall they rejoice, for they shall know that it is a blessing unto them from the hand of God. And their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes. And many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a pure and a delightsome people. And it shall come to pass that the Jews which are scattered also shall begin to believe in Christ. And they shall begin to gather in upon the face of the land. And as many as shall believe in Christ shall also become a delightsome people. Well, when does this take place? Well, this is referring specifically to the time when New Jerusalem will be established. And those who have become kings and priests among the Gentiles under Joseph's direction will be sent to the four corners of the earth to gather Israel, including to the Jews. And as we read in First Nephi chapter 13... The end time servant brings with him the translation of the record of the prophets, or in other words, the translation of the brass plates. And it will stand hand in hand with the book of Mormon for these kings and queens, priests and priestess among the Gentiles to take the fullness of the gospel, to gather out the believing among the Jews, that The wheat may be separated from the chaff, that old Jerusalem might become again a holy city. And it shall come to pass, in verse 8, that the Lord shall commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth. And this is the marvelous work and a wonder referred to in the scriptures. And with righteousness shall the Lord God judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Now, this is a concept borrowed from Isaiah that justice is taken from the earth, but it is restored by the Lord's end-time servant. And that he will judge with equity, not by the judgments of man, but the judgments of God. and shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath with the breath of his lips shall slay the wicked um, this is another isaiah motif that the end time servant becomes the staff in the lord's right hand and you know seals up the wicked unto destruction which is carried out by the lord's left hand the king of assyria king of babylon For the time speedily cometh, verse 10, that the Lord God will cause a great division among the people. And the wicked will he destroy, and he will spare his people. Yea, even if it so be that they must destroy the wicked by fire. And the righteous, and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Okay, you know, righteousness, again, an Isaiah term for the Lord's end-time servant. And then shall the wolf dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. Now, this has reference to the fact that the Lord's end-time servant will deliver God's people to establish New Jerusalem. And now it's describing the conditions within New Jerusalem and during Christ's millennial reign. And the young lion and the fatling together with the little kid shall lead them. You know, we're talking about bringing together the the classic definitions of both the clean and the unclean. And all will become God's people who will receive the fullness of his covenant. And the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the wean child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. The ho- all my holy mountain is New Jerusalem. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Wherefore the things of all nations shall be made known. Yea, all things shall be made known unto the children of men. There is nothing which is secret, save it shall be revealed. There is no work of darkness, save it shall be made manifest in the light. And there is nothing which is sealed upon the earth, save it shall be loosed. Wherefore, all things which have been revealed unto the children of men shall at that day be revealed. And Satan shall have power over the hearts of the children of men no more for a long time. And now, my beloved brethren, I make an end of my sayings. And now going to Second Nephi 33. Starting in verse one. And now I, Nephi, cannot write all the things which were taught among my people, neither am I mighty in writing like unto speaking. For when a man speaketh by the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost carrieth it into the hearts of the children of men. And so many have wondered what does it mean to speak by the power of the Holy Ghost? And Nephi gives us a perfect definition. The Holy Ghost carrieth that which is spoken by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost unto the hearts of the children of men. And this is synonymous with speaking with the tongue of angels, which is one of the signs that one has received the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Um, now that's not the only time that one can speak with the tongue of angels we have plenty of instances for instance of nephi who is alive when christ comes and visits the lamanites you know i.e in third nephi chapter seven speaking with the tongue of angels or by the power and authority of the holy ghost with such power that it was impossible that not even his enemies could disbelieve him but he has not yet received the baptism of fire baptism holy ghost and would not for a few more years And so many times I hear people, you know, mistakenly say, well, once I receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then I will go forth and testify of the doctrine of Christ and open my mouth and not fear man. Well, if that's what one is, if that is what one is waiting for, I doubt one will ever receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost because to receive it requires that we go forth and act. And in the act of lifting up others, we in turn are lifted up by Christ.
1: Verse 3.
0: Verse 2. But behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them. Wherefore, they cast many things away which are written and esteemed them as things of naught. We have to cross-reference 2 Nephi 28. Um, Talking about the Latter-day Saints casting away many things which are written and esteeming them as things of naught. Verse 24. Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth, all is well. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yea, woe be unto him that saith, we have received and we need no more. For certainly we have conference talks and lesson manuals. And if anything uh, has not been uttered and published by a general authority within the last three years, uh, it is not permissible to be taught in an LDS meeting house. Woe be unto him that saith, we have received and we need no more. And find woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness, and he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. Woe be unto him that shall say, we have received the word of God, and we need no more the word of God, for we have enough. Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So, Father expects us to receive everything which is both spoken and written. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21 And others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say, All is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. Back to 2 Nephi 33. Now that we have some Latter day Saint context. Behold, there are many that harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit, that it hath no place in them, wherefore they cast many things away, which are written and esteem them as things of naught. And as a cross-reference, I go to D&C 45, talking about the restoration of the phones of the gospel in Joseph Smith's second ministry, with the opening of the heavens. Verse 28, And when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel. But they, talking about the latter Saints collectively, but not individually, but they receive it not. For they perceive not the light, for they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So back in Second Nephi 33. And of verse two, wherefore they cast many things away, which are written and esteem them as things of naught. But I, Nephi, have written what I have written and esteem it as of great worth and especially unto my people. For I pray continually for them by day and mine eyes water my pillow by night because of them. And I cry unto my God in faith and I know that he will hear my cry. Well, how many of us are doing the same thing for our people? who are in a state of deep sleep and are being hurled
1: toward destruction and know it not? Are we, like Nephi,
0: praying continually for our people day and night and crying unto God in faith in their behalf? And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. And the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them, for it persuadeth them to do good. And it maketh known unto them by of their fathers, and it speaketh of Jesus and persuadeth them to believe in him and to endure to the end which is life eternal. And it speaketh harshly against sin, according to the plainness of truth. Wherefore, no man will be angry at the words which I have written, save he shall be of the spirit of the devil. I glory in plainness. I glory in truth. I glory in my Jesus, for he hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ that I shall meet many souls spotless at his judgment seat. And I would ask each one of us, can we, like Nephi, say these things? I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ that I shall meet many souls spotless at his judgment seat. (laughs) I have charity for the Jew. I say Jew because I mean them from whence I came. I also have charity for the Gentile. But behold, for none of these can I hope except they shall be reconciled unto Christ and enter into the narrow gate and walk in the straight path which leads to life and continue in the path until the end of the day of probation. Well, what does he mean by being reconciled unto Christ? Entering into the narrow gate walking the straight path which leads to life and continuing that path until the end of the day of probation. Let's go to 2 Nephi 32. Let's go to 2 Nephi 31, verses 17 through 19. Wherefore do the things which I have told you that I have seen your Lord and your Redeemer should do? For for this cause have they been shown unto me that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in the straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. So the straight and narrow path which leadeth to eternal life, which Nephi is referencing in 2 Nephi 33, is repentance, baptism by water into the fullness of the gospel, and the baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in the straight and narrow path, which leads to eternal life. And ye have entered in by the gate. Ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son. And ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son, unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made, that if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive. And then, parenthetically, if you hold to the iron rod, you will come to the tree and partake of the fruit or enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory, and have your calling and elections made sure in
1: this life. And now
0: Nephi is going to explain how one comes to repentance, baptism of water and a fire in the Holy Ghost. And now, my beloved brethren, After you have gotten into the straight and narrow path, I would ask if all is done. Behold, I say unto you, nay, for ye have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ. The word of Christ in this instance means seeking after receiving the revelation about what is required of us to come to a broken heart and contrite spirit that we might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and acting on it. For you have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him. Well, what does that mean to have unshaken faith in him? It means to seek after, receive, and act on revelation. And as the whirlwinds of the adversary rage against us to try and prevent us, from keeping all of God's commandments, which he shall place into our hearts to instruct us how to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, nevertheless we find a way with the help of the Spirit to accomplish all the things that the Lord reveals to us. You have not come thus far, save it were by the word of Christ, with unshaken faith in him, relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save. Relying wholly upon him whose merits are mighty to save is having hope in Christ. And when we combine hope in Christ with faith in Christ, all things are not only possible, but will happen. And that is what is required to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost. And that is what is required after the baptism of fire, baptism of Holy Ghost, to enter into the Lord's rest. And after entering into the Lord's rest, that is what is required to remain true and faithful all of our days. Back in
1: Second Nephi 33.
0: Verse 4. And I know that the Lord God will consecrate my prayers for the gain of my people. And the words which I have written in weakness will be made strong unto them. For it persuadeth them to do good. And it maketh known unto them that their fathers, of their fathers, and it speaketh of Jesus, and persuadeth them to believe in him, and to endure to the end, which is eternal life. Enduring to the end, after we believe in Christ, is eternal life. And believing in Christ doesn't just mean to profess what we would term a belief. It means to enter into the new and everlasting covenant. To the point that we actually receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. To the point that we actually enter into the rest of the Lord. To the point that after that, we actually become kings and queens, priests and priestesses unto the most high God. And it speaketh harshly against sin, according to the plainness of truth. Wherefore, no man will be angry at the words which I have written, save he shall be of the spirit of the devil. I glory in plainness. I glory in truth. I glory in my Jesus, for he hath redeemed my soul from hell. I have charity for my people and great faith in Christ that I shall meet many souls spotless at his judgment seat. I have charity for the Jew. I say Jew because I mean them of whence I came. I also have charity for the Gentiles. But behold, for none of these can I hope except they shall be reconciled unto Christ. And we just read about what it means to be reconciled unto Christ, to repent, to be baptized with water and fire in the Holy Ghost, and then to continue thereafter to feast upon the words of Christ, not only to seek and receive, but also to act. And enter into the narrow gate and walk in the straight path which leads to life. And continue in the path until the end of the day of probation. And now, my beloved brethren, and also Jew, and all ye ends of the earth, hearken unto these words, and believe in Christ. And if ye believe not these words, believe in Christ. And if ye shall believe in Christ, ye will believe in these words. For they are the words of Christ, and he hath given them unto me. And they teach all men that they should do good. And if they are not the words of Christ, judge ye, for Christ will show unto you with power and great glory that they are his words at the last day. And you and I shall stand face to face before his bar, and ye shall know that I have been commanded of him to write these things, notwithstanding my weakness. I pray the Father in the name of Jesus Christ that many of us, if not all, may be saved in his kingdom at that great and last day now, my beloved brethren, all those who are of the house of Israel, and all ye ends of the earth, I speak unto you as the voice of one crying from the dust. <clears throat> farewell until that great day shall come. And you that will not partake in the goodness of God and respect the words of the Jews, and also my words and the words which shall proceed forth from the mouth of the Lamb of God. Behold, I bid you an everlasting farewell. For these words shall condemn you at the last day. For what I seal on earth shall be brought against you at the judgment bar. For thus saith the Lord, for thus hath the Lord commanded me, and I must obey.
1: Amen. Now, continuing in Isaiah 46.
0: Verse 10, I foretell the end from the beginning. (laughs) From ancient times, things not yet done. I speak and my purposes take effect. I accomplish all my will. Now, we've just been reading the prophecies in the Book of Mormon, where Christ prophesies that which will Yet take place, and all his words shall come to pass. I foretell the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done, which is what the book of Isaiah is, using historical precedent as anti metaphor. I speak, and my purposes take effect. I accomplish all my will. I summon a bird of prey from the east. From a distant land, the man who performs my counsel. This summoning a bird of prey from the east is the Lord's end-time servant. It is Joseph in his second ministry. A distant land, for he comes forth again from the other side to the land of the living. What I have spoken, I bring to pass. What I have planned, I do. Hear me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. Remember that righteousness is a metaphor for the Lord's end-time servant. Stubborn-hearted is the opposite of a broken heart and contrite spirit. The whole purpose in the return of Joseph is to restore the new covenant, which is the old covenant to the earth, that the earth might not be wasted at his coming. Because with the restoration of the new covenant and God's people receiving it with gladness and keeping its terms, therefore Christ will have a people ready to receive him when he comes in glory. Isaiah here is talking to those Latter-day Saints, who have not yet received the doctrine of Christ. Hear me, you stubborn-hearted, who are far from righteousness. I have brought near my righteousness. It is not now far off. Or, in other words, the return of Joseph on the scene is not far off, and he has already again opened the heavens. My salvation shall no longer be delayed. I will grant deliverance in Zion and to Israel my glory. I will grant deliverance in Zion. Or,
1: in other words, the redemption of Zion. DNC
0: 103. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Isaiah forty-six, end of verse thirteen. I will grant deliverance in Zion and to Israel my glory. DNC one hundred three fifteen. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them, like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham. He must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm, and as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be, or the redemption of Zion will follow the pattern of Moses delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt. Therefore, let not your hearts faint. For I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, the fathers being the children of Israel under Moses. Mine angels shall go up before you, but not my presence. The context being on the. Exodus of the children of Israel by Moses. Mine angel or Moses shall go up before you, but not my presence, because although that was the invitation to the children of Israel, in DNC 84, here was the opportunity for the Lord's presence to go up before them. Verse 23. And now Moses plainly taught to the children, and now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness, i.e. the doctrine of Christ as discussed in verses 19 through 21. <laughs> and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. But they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Therefore the Lord in his wrath for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And thus it says in DNC 103, that the presence of the Lord would not go up before the children of Israel, not because it couldn't have, but because they would not. However, regarding the end-time exodus, verse 20 in DNC 103, but I say unto you, my people on the end-time exodus, mine angels, plural, shall go up before you and also my presence. In time, you shall possess the goodly land. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I liken the servant. I will grant deliverance in Zion and Israel to my glory. Isaiah 46, verse 13. Now, in Doctrine and Covenants, section one Doctrine and Covenants, section one is God's preface to the Doctrine and Covenants, which book uses a similar literary technique as that used in Isaiah, even using historical precedent and context as end-time metaphor. <clears throat> and just as the book of Isaiah is a book of end-time prophecy, so is most of the book of Doctrine and Covenants. Hearken ye people of my church, set at the voice of him who dwells on high, and DNC one has an end-time context. When he's talking about, hearken, O ye people of my church, he's specifically talking to those who are willing to receive the light or the fullness of the gospel. In this, the generation in which Christ will return to the earth. O ye people of my church, saith the voice of him who dwells on high, and whose eyes are upon all men, Yea, verily I say, hearken ye people from afar, and ye that are upon islands of the sea listen together. For verily the voice of the Lord is unto all men, and there is none to escape. And there is no eye that shall not see, neither ear that shall not hear, neither heart that shall not be penetrated. And the rebellious shall be pierced with much sorrow, for their iniquities shall be spoken upon the housetops, and their secret acts be revealed. As we read about in Nephi. And the voice of warning shall be unto all people by the mouths of my disciples, whom I have chosen in these last days. And they shall go forth, and none shall stay them. For I the Lord have commanded them. Behold, this is mine authority and the authority of my servants. Okay, who are these servants? D&C 88. Verse 74, and I give unto you who are the first laborers in the last kingdom a commandment that you assemble yourselves together and organize yourselves and prepare yourselves, and sanctify yourselves and purify your hearts, and cleanse your hands and your feet before me, that I may make you clean. That, verse eighty, ye may be prepared in all things when I shall send you again to magnify the calling whereunto I have called you, and the mission with which I have commissioned you. And verse eighty-four. Therefore, tarry ye and labor diligently that you may be perfected in your ministry to go forth among the Gentiles for the last time. As many as the mouth of the Lord shall name to bind up the law and seal up the testimony and to prepare the saints for the hour of judgment, which is to come. That their souls may escape the wrath of God, the desolation of abomination, which awaits the wicked, both in this world and in the world to come. Back in D&C, section one.
1: And my preface,
0: middle of verse 6, unto the book of my commandments, which I have given them to publish unto you, O inhabitants of the earth. Wherefore fear and tremble, O ye people, for what I, the Lord, have decreed in them shall be fulfilled. And verily I say unto you that they go forth bearing these tidings unto the inhabitants of the earth. To them is power given to seal both on earth and in heaven the unbelieving and the rebellious. So the first labors in the last kingdom are those who on June 4th, 1831, the Isaac Morley Farm received the second order of Melchizedek Priesthood with Joseph, but only a residue of them qualified to return with him. But those who qualify to return with him and prove themselves true and faithful again will have this second order of Melchizedek Priesthood sealed upon them, which is the power to seal on earth and in heaven. And if we quickly reference Helaman chapter 10, when Nephi is having the second order of Melchizedek Priesthood sealed upon him, verse 7. Behold, I give unto you power that whatsoever you shall seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and thus shall you have power among this people. And verse 11, and now behold, I command you that you shall go and declare unto this people that thus saith the Lord God, who is almighty, except ye repent, and ye shall be smitten even unto destruction. So back in DNC one verse 8, and verily I say unto you that They who go forth bearing these tidings unto the inhabitants of the earth, to them is power given to seal both on earth and in heaven, the unbelieving and the rebellious. And in our Sunday cottage meeting yesterday, we went over Revelation 15 and 16 um, about the pouring out of the seal of plagues upon the rebellious. And that it is indeed conducted by the very men that the Lord is referring to here. Verse 9. Yea, verily, to seal them up unto the day when the wrath of God shall be poured out upon the wicked without measure. This is the abomination of desolation that we read about in DNC 88. Unto the day when the Lord shall come to recompense unto every man according to his work and measures to every man according to the measure which he has measured to his fellow man. Wherefore the voice of the Lord is unto the ends of the earth, that all that will hear may hear. Prepare ye, prepare ye for that which is to come, for the Lord is nigh. And the anger of the Lord is kindled, and his sword is bathed in heaven, and it shall fall upon the inhabitants of the earth. And the arm of the Lord shall be revealed, Now, in Isaiah, the arm of the Lord being revealed is the coming on the scene of the Lord's end-time servant. Um, From the time that he comes on the scene until Christ comes in his glory. And the arm of the Lord shall be revealed. And the day cometh that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles, shall be cut off from among the people. For they have strayed from mine ordinances and have broken mine everlasting covenants, the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Therefore, they commit the same sin as the children of Israel before them. They harden their hearts, will not do what is required to become his sons and daughters or enter into his rest or become his people that he might be their God. They seek not the Lord to establish his righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way. Now, this is directly dealing with Isaiah 46 and its end time context. They seek not the Lord to establish his righteousness, but every man walketh in his own way. And after the image of his own God, whose image is in the likeness of the world and whose substance is that of an idol, which waxeth old and shall perish in Babylon, Even Babylon, the great witch shall fall. Wherefore I, the Lord, knowing the calamity which should come upon the inhabitants of the earth, called upon my servant Joseph Smith Jr. and spake unto him from heaven and gave him commandments and also gave commandments to others that they should proclaim these things unto the world and all this that it might be fulfilled which was written by the prophets. The weak things of the world shall come forth and break down the mighty and the strong ones that man should not counsel his fellow man neither trust in the arm of flesh, but that every man might speak in the name of God, the Lord, even the Savior of the world. And what's required for that to happen? For God's people to seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And what, is, what does it mean in verse 19? That man should not counsel his fellow man, neither trust in the arm of flesh. well, in 2 Nephi 28, we have the definition of what that means. Verse 31 Cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, what's a good example of this? First Nephi chapter 10. Verse 17. And it came to pass that after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father concerning the things which he saw in vision and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, Nephi trusting and receiving the words of his father was not trusting in man or putting one's trust in the arm of flesh because Lehi spoke by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God. And the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. So back to DNC 1, verse 20. But that every man might speak in the name of God, the Lord, even the Savior of the world, that faith also might increase in the earth. So these are all the reasons that the Lord is sending again a second time, Joseph and the end time servants who will return with him, that mine everlasting covenant might be established. Because remember, it's that great stumbling block before the Latter-day Saints was the removal of the new and everlasting covenant from the mainstream teachings of the church. That the fullness of my gospel might be proclaimed by the weak and the simple unto the ends of the world. And before kings and rulers, behold, I am God and have spoken it. These commandments are of me and were given unto my servants in their weakness after the manner of the language of their language that they might come to understanding. And inasmuch as they erred, it might be made known. And inasmuch as they sought wisdom, they might be instructed. And inasmuch as they sinned, they might be chastened, that they might repent. And inasmuch as they were humble, they might be made strong and blessed from on high and received knowledge from time to time. And after having received the record of the Nephites, and even my servant Joseph Smith Jr. might have power to translate through the mercy of God, by the power of God, the Book of Mormon, and also, those to whom these commandments were given might have power to lay the foundation of this church. So, Joseph, in his first ministry, and the servants in Joseph Smith's first ministry laid the foundation of the church that during his second, it might be brought forth out of obscurity and out of darkness. Out of obscurity and out of darkness. Again, DNC 45. Verse 28, and when the time of the Gentiles is come in, a light shall break forth among them, the Latter-day Saints, that sit in darkness, and it shall be the fullness of my gospel, but they receive it not. For they perceive not the light, and they turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. Okay, back in,
1: in section one. Verse
0: 30. And also those to whom these commandments were given might have power to lay the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness. <clears throat> Reference to the second ministry. The only true and living church upon the whole face of the earth with which I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively and not individually. Now cross-referencing First Nephi chapter 14. Verse 9. And it came to pass that he said unto me, look, and behold, that great and abominable church, which is the mother of abomination, whose founder is the devil. And he said unto me, behold, there are safe two churches only. The one is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. Wherefore, whoso belongeth not to the church of the Lamb of God belongeth to the great church, which is the mother of abominations. She is the whore of all the earth. Back in d one Verse 30. And also those to whom these commandments were given might have power to lay the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, the only true and living church upon the whole face of the earth, with which I, the Lord, am well pleased, speaking unto the church collectively and not individually. For I, the Lord, cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance. Nevertheless, he that repents and does the commandments of the Lord shall be forgiven. And he that repents not from him shall be taken, even the light which he has received. For my spirit shall not always strive with man, saith the Lord of hosts. And he that repents not, speaking to the church collectively during the return of Joseph. That all the church has need of repentance and entering into the new and everlasting covenant. And if they do not, the light that they have because of that which remains of the fullness of the gospel in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it will be taken from them. If they will not receive the greater portion. Verse 34, and again, verily I say unto you, O inhabitants of the earth, I, the Lord, am willing to make these things known unto all flesh. For I am no respecter of persons, and I will that all men shall know that the day speedily cometh, the hour is not yet, but is nigh at hand, when peace shall be taken from the earth, and the devil shall have power over his own dominion. Talking about our generation. And also the Lord shall have power over his saints, and shall reign in their midst, and shall come down in judgment upon Idumea or the world. Remember what we read in DNC 103? Verse 20. But I say unto you, my saints, on the end time Exodus, mine angel shall go up before you and also my presence. Back in DNC 1. And also the Lord shall have power over his saints and shall reign in their midst, meaning that on the Exodus, the saints of God will be entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. Unlike the children of Israel before them on their exodus, search these commandments for they are true and faithful and the prophecies and promises which are in them shall all be fulfilled. What I, the Lord have spoken, I have spoken and excuse not myself. And though the heavens and the earth pass away, my word shall not pass away, but shall all be fulfilled, whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. For behold, and lo, the Lord is God, and the Spirit beareth record, and the record is true, and the truth abideth forever and ever. Amen.